Well, good morning, church. We are having a beautiful Sunday here in Laredo, and, uh, and so we're excited about being here with you guys and, and continuing our series of refocus uh, and just kind of going through our vision statement or mission statement and understanding the vision of the church and what that looks like in our lives. And uh, for the two weeks that Chad spoke, we looked at uh, a relationship with Christ and lead, leading um, our city into a relationship with Christ. And so today we're going to be focusing on the church and what that looks like and um, how it looked in Scripture and, and even bringing that back to us as a church and understanding why we here at Grace uh, function the way we do, uh, why our vision is what it is, and why our mission statement is what it is. And so today we're going to be out of the book of Acts in chapter uh, 2. We'll be reading from verses 42 through 47. 42 through 47. If you're new here with us, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you underneath. And uh, in the worship guide, there is a page number that will direct you directly to uh, where this passage is in that Bible. If you can't find a Bible underneath, you can also follow along here behind me uh, on the projector. And uh, as well as, we hadn't mentioned this in a while, but if you'd like to download our app, Grace Laredo app, you'll be able to take notes there as well. And so we're reading out of the book of Acts, again, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, looking at the church. Now, um, a few weeks back, I was very vulnerable with you guys and shared some, uh, some of my, um, I'd say some of my darkest days and moments in uh, my relationship with God, and that uh, being when I left my home church and moved to uh, Dallas and just uh, feeling some hurt and pain. And a lot of that had to do with the way that I was... Uh, viewing the situation and it was interpreting uh, the situation and the circumstances with that previous church. Uh, and it was hard. It was difficult. I told you guys that for a very long time or for a few years, I, I didn't even attend church. Um, I was at Bible school and I wasn't attending church. That was like one of the requirements and I was not attending church, yet I was at a Bible school. And one of the reasons why is that, like I mentioned, I was hurt. I didn't want to uh, be a part of a body that I felt was hypocritical uh, and willing to hurt someone at, you know, the way that I felt I was hurt. And, um, and so I just chose not to. Uh, and uh, one day my wife Daisy challenged me and I started attending church again and began to experience once again just the blessing that the body of Christ is. Uh, relationally, it's a huge blessing. Spiritually, to have brothers and sisters who know your circumstances and know your life and are able to come alongside you and walk and pray for you and, and, and be with you through, uh, through highs and lows. Um, and I began to experience that again. And, and, and even after marriage, Daisy and I, have, we've enjoyed church. Uh, we've enjoyed grace. Coming to grace has been a huge, ex a, a, a great experience for us. And, and so, but the church was only able to be that type of a blessing for us because of the way that God has called it to function. And for many of you, uh, you've come here or you've been a part of churches for a while and, and you've experienced the good and the bad. You've experienced the highs and the lows. 
And sometimes you might even wonder to yourself, well, why do churches function this way? Why don't they do these things? Why do they focus on, on just certain uh, aspects of, 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 of missional living? Why, uh, why this and why not that? And you'll do that through small groups. You'll have those questions with each other. You'll have that at home. You'll have the conversations with your spouses. And, uh, but we've all experienced it. We've all experienced the good, the bad, and we've all had the questions. So today, hopefully through reading Acts chapter 2, we can kind of answer that for you. And you'll be able to see a, a, a biblical model, a biblical story that explains and communicates who we are and what we do and what we believe. And what we believe is that every single person in this room makes up the church. No one in here is more important than you. We're all equally valuable to this mission. And we're all only a part of this because of what Christ has done for us. So before we jump in, let's just open up in prayer and we'll begin to read the passage. Father, we thank you so much this great opportunity to sit here to learn, to be able to open up your word and allow your spirit to teach us. So Lord, we just pray that our hearts would be open, that we'd be able to understand, that we would have a greater understanding of what you've called us to do and how you've called us to function as your body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and jump in. Acts chapter 2, verses 42. You know what? I'm going to start reading from verse 41 because that's, that's integral to this. And so just let me give you some historical and cultural background here. Uh, in the book of Acts, it's a very unique moment in time, right? And in chapter 2, uh, the experience of Pentecost happened. Uh, Pentecost was a festival that many Jewish people would come uh, and gather and give a sacrifice. And so uh, what we see here in chapter 2 is we see the believers, uh, the disciples, the 120, they were in a room and they were instructed by Christ to wait on the Holy Spirit. And in this chapter, for the very first time in history, the Holy Spirit was poured out on mankind uh, where the Holy Spirit was to dwell in our hearts uh, throughout the history of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would kind of uh, be with a person and then go to another person and go to another person. But never could they say in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit dwelled in their heart, that the Spirit of God was dwelling within them and lived in them. And so uh, here at, at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the believers. And, um, and it says here that tongues of fire came over them. Uh, it says here that they began to speak in other tongues. And when, 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 they're, when they step out into public, some, some of the others that were gathered for this uh, festival, for Pentecost, from around the different nations and the, the different communities that surrounded Jerusalem come out, and they hear them speaking in these other languages, and, uh, and they're, they say, well, these guys must be drunk because they're speaking in my language, in my language. And so they were hearing... Uh, these 120 speaking in other native languages that weren't their language. And they, they, um, they saw that, and they were baffled by that. 
And Peter steps forward, and Peter says, they are not drunk. It's 8 o'clock in the morning, in other words. It's too early. There'd be a problem if they were. <laughs> and he says, they're not drunk. He says, and he goes on to explain what has happened. He goes on to let them know about the, the Messiah, about the Christ that has been sacrificed. And in verse 41, we see the response. It says in verse 41 in Acts chapter 2, it says, So those who received this word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, And they, the 3,000, the believers, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many, one, uh, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the, need, the proceeds to all as any had a need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this entire portion here is speaking about those 3,000 and the first 120. The they are the believers. And the very first thing in verse 42 that we see, there's three things that we're going to extract from verse 42. And the very first thing we see here is that they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And that brings me to my first point for today is this. My community needs churches that are devoted to God's word and authentic growth. What's interesting here is that the church, the Acts church, was not relying on mystical revelation after receiving the Holy Spirit. But after receiving the Holy Spirit, it says it uses a very strong verb. They devoted themselves. They had a desire. They had a passion to learn about the Word of God. And so they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. And the, it doesn't mean that nowadays we got to go find these apostles and find this one person. No, and at this time, God was doing something unique, like we said before. And this was the very first time the church was to function without Christ Jesus in its midst. So he leaves his disciples as apostles over the church. And as we start seeing, as we read here in the text, there's even signs and wonders as God is authenticating their authority and the authority that they had to teach the word of God. And so it was very simple. After receiving the Holy Spirit, these people became devoted to learning. They wanted to know more about this God, and so they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Uh, many times nowadays we, um, we can hear and we, we know of people who, again, they think, well, I have the Holy Spirit, so I'll read the scriptures by myself and the Holy Spirit will just enlighten that to us. Many of us, our reading method of the Bible is we'll wake up in the morning and we'll say, well, Lord, wherever the Bible lands, that's the word that you have for me here today. You just kind of open it up and wherever it lands. And Jesus wept. Huh? What do I do with that? Do I need to go cry with someone? You know, it, we make revelation a mystical experience where 
our revelation should be founded in the, in the authority of the scriptures and the word of God. That's what they did. And so here at Grace, uh, part of our values, and if you've attended our membership workshop, if you at, uh, have attended our new attenders reception, you'll know and you'll hear that here, are, here at Grace, one of our values is to accurately teach in a, culturally, in a culturally relevant way the Word of God. That's what we want to do. We want to let the Word teach us. We want to let the Word guide us. We want to let the Word lead us. Sometimes, again, there's a thought of, well, I have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is just... He's going to speak to me. He's going to give me a dream. He's going to show me a sign on the highway. And I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't speak to us still. But what I am saying is that our learning experience should come directly from the authority of the Holy Scriptures. And these apostles were teaching the Holy Scriptures. Not only were they teaching the Holy Scriptures, but they were still adding to the Holy Scriptures. And this church was devoted to it. They submitted themselves to the authority of scriptures. And so, again, as a church, that's who we're called to be. And let me just pose a question to you. When you first came to know God, when you first came to believe in Christ, what happened when you began to learn about the love of God in your life? There's an outworking of that. We're changed by it. The Word of God is what changes our lives. It's what changes our hearts. It's what changes the way we think. It's what reveals to us who our Father is. It's, it's what tells us about a satisfactory sacrifice that, that, that Christ made for you and for me. It's the one that tells us about this great love that we find in the Father. And through that, our hearts are changed. And I know many of you that are sitting here today can attest to that before you came to God and before you knew of this love, you were an angry person. But you come to God and you come to know about God through his scriptures and it transforms your heart. And now that anger is turned into patience. It's turned into peace with others. Where there was greed, now there's a generosity that comes from your heart. You're looking out for others and you want to give and you want to care for. Because the Word of God is what changes us. When the Spirit of God is living in us and He works together with the Word, it causes and stirs up a revolution in our lives and in our hearts that leaves us completely different to the way God found us. And so that's why we here at Grace are committed to teaching the Word. We're committed to verse-by-verse -verse teaching each Sunday. And I, we've heard it from you guys. We've heard it from the stories of those that have come in. What do you love about Grace? Man, I just love how y'all go verse-by-verse and you teach the Bible. I've learned so much here. We're just, we're committed to that. 
We've even uh, created other avenues for you guys to learn, other places for you guys to plug in and with small groups and, and, and going to your homes and, and asking the questions and wanting to jump into Scripture. And what, what does this mean? I, I didn't really understand it on Sunday, but help me, group. What does this mean? And you jump into the Word and you begin to understand it. And there with others, your hearts begins to change. And so that's why we've added sermon-based small groups and topical small groups and just different opportunities for us to get together and, and to learn the scriptures. We don't think that the learning experience starts and ends here on Sundays with Chad teaching or Eddie or Tim or myself preaching. No, we understand that we learn from the word of God. And to have more of an opportunity to learn and to grow is important for us. And so that's why for the last month, we've been pushing small groups. Come on, find a small group. Get into a small group because it helps you and I grow. And it changes who we are because we're able to learn more about the God that gave so much to rescue those that were lost. Amen? Let's go ahead and jump right back in. And... In verse 42, we do, we see that they've devoted themselves, and we see that outworking in their own lives as, as we continue to read in verse 45. Let's go there. Verse 44, sorry. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 45, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs to all as any had need. So what we see here is that this church was devoted to learning the word of God. And in verse 42, again, we see that they were devoted to fellowship as well. So my second point for today is this. My community needs churches that provide a loving community of fellowship and care. My community needs churches that provide a loving community of fellowship and and care. So verse 42, again, we see they're devoted to the teaching, and now they're devoted to fellowship. And how they were living that out, we saw in verse, we see in verses 44 through 45, they had all things in common, they were unified, and they were caring for others by selling their possessions and distributing those, the proceeds to all as a need arose. And so one of the things that we see is unity. Unity, they had all things in common. Unity is important. In John, when Jesus prays for us, in the book of John, when Christ prays for us, one of the things that he says is that the world would know them because they would be one, like you and me, Father, are one. He's praying for our unity. He's saying that the world would know the body of Christ through its unity. And we know that throughout the history of, of, of the church, we've experienced persecution. We've, we've experienced division. And we even experience that in, in smaller local churches. And, 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 it, and the unity is always being attacked. The unity is always being attacked by the enemy. I'm remembered of, a, of the story of the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis where they're building this tower, they're building this tower, and Scripture says that God says, 
as long as they are united, anything is possible for them. So he divides them. That's where he gives all of the different languages and, and no one could communicate anymore. So that Tower of Babel project ended right there because there was no more communication. But he said, as long as they're united, anything is possible for them. And then we're brought to the New Testament and we begin to see how one of the factors and one of the marks of the church is unity. We see that one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is the unity of the body, is to bring unity to the body. And it leads me to think, wow, what can't we accomplish if we were a unified body in Christ? What can't we do? We know that a house divided amongst himself cannot stand, but one that's united can make the impossible very possible. How much more united people with the Holy Spirit of God in us and the Word of God to lead us and direct us. We could do so much more. One of the words that's used here, the word for fellowship we said a couple of weeks ago was was the Greek word koinonia. And again, that definition is that uh, it means to have an association involving close mutual relations and involvement in close association and fellowship. It's an experiential word. It's living this out together, not individually. The second thing that we see here is there, as, as fellowship is playing out in their lives is we see that they're caring for one another. They're selling their, pro, they're, they're selling their properties uh, and uh, the proceeds that they get from that, they would, they would distribute to all as a need arose. Now, some people like to take this and say, you see, socialism was in the Bible. But one of the neat things about this is this wasn't, volu- I mean, this was, this wasn't mandated. This was voluntary. This happened from a people who came to know a God who gave so much more than we could ever give so that we could be restored to him. And as they learned that truth, it changed their hearts. And so giving up a few things of their own wasn't as difficult anymore because they were willing to take care of those that were less fortunate. They were willing to take care of of those that would fall in tough times. Voluntarily selling their possessions, selling their property, voluntarily taking that pro- the proceeds of that and giving it to the church and distributing to those as a need arose. That's key, as need arose. They were loving. The revelation of the love of God was so was so powerful that it changed their hearts and it drove them to generosity. You know, one of the ways that we could have seen this back then is this, is that um, simply just as we see today, there's people in the church, needs arise, and so the church comes together to fulfill those needs, right? So someone in the church, someone a part of the 3,000, or someone a part of that growing Acts church just had a need, and so the church would come together, uh, they'd see how they could raise the funds, and, and they'd go and they'd provide the needs for this person. They'd meet those needs, And I know that some of you guys have experienced that here at Grace. I have. We have. Some of you might remember when when we first got here three years ago, Daisy was still pregnant. 
she was pregnant with Adeline, our third baby. And a week into being here and working here, uh, Adeline came to this world. And everything seemed normal. Everything seemed like usual. We were at the hospital. We, everything was, was fine. She came out healthy. It was just, um, you know, for those of you who have multiple kids, it's just another birth experience. Great. This one was a little different. The doctor gave me permission to catch my daughter. And those of you who play football with me, you know, I got hands. So I didn't drop her. I held on to her. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. But one that was even greater was what happened afterwards. We get home, and you know, you get home, your, your wife is out of commission for, for a while. For most of us, if you're a loving husband, she's out of commission. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. That's not true. I hear some, some people inside, and some wives looked over at their husbands. <laughs> but your wife is out of commission for a while. She might not be able to cook. She might not be able to clean. She might not be able to do a lot of things because she just gave birth. That was important, and that was hard on her. Absolutely. She deserved some time off, and you know that. And so we get home, and, um, and, and families start showing up from the church. Knocking on the door, here we want to bring you guys a meal and bringing us meals and dinners and lunches. And we were just blown away by that experience. We had never experienced something like that. And I know for Daisy, it was a calming factor because even though I was willing to be home and to do the, the chores of the house, you know, the wife never feels a man can do it as good as they can. So she's like, I just don't know how this is going to work, you know? But as these families were showing up, so many of you showed up and you dropped off a lunch and you dropped off a dinner and that meant the world to us. And some of you guys have experienced that in your small groups too. If you've had uh, hardships, I know small groups have done that for others. Some of you have been a part of a small group that you had someone who was going through some type of financial need, uh, and what did you do? You said, hey, how can we as a small group just, you know, just raise some money for them and help them out with this problem, help them out with this need? It's the community taking care of each other, looking after each other. You've seen this, you've experienced it, just as we have. But that doesn't happen out of our brokenness. That happens out of learning about a God loves us. Another way that this could have happened back in, the, in, in, in Acts <clears throat> is, as I said before, this was uh, the festival of Pentecost. There were people who were, were coming together from all around the area. They left their homes, they left their cities, they left their, 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 their countries, and they're coming from all over the area to come to Jerusalem, to the central place, the central place of their faith, and to, and, and, and to be a part of this festival. And so it's very possible that part of the 3,000 that heard Peter speak that day were some of those who came from abroad. And it's very possible that because they had just learned and heard about this new faith and about their Savior and their Messiah, whom they had just crucified, they didn't go back home. They stayed to learn more and to grow and to, 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 to begin to understand a little bit more about what Peter was talking about. And so as they stayed, the people from Jerusalem, of this church from Jerusalem, 
would, would provide for them. They would make room and space for them in their homes and, 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 and they would uh, give to them to be able to feed them and give them lunch and give them dinner and breakfast and break bread with them. And, and they would provide the needs that these people had in order to be a part of this church to learn and to grow together in fellowship so that they could take that message back to their homes. But they couldn't do it unless they knew about it. And so these people of Jerusalem were making a space for them. They were providing a place for them in order to learn about Scripture. Providing a place. Church, that's what we're doing. Most of you in here already know that we're in a capital campaign. We titled that Providing a Place for Others. We're, we're, we're trying to raise money and we've got this property that we paid for cash and off of San Isidro in, in North Laredo and we want to build and we've said that we're not going to break ground until we've, uh, we've, we at least have $2.7 million cash on hand. And so many, some of you have, have uh, participated in that and, and are being faithful, faithful with that. You've joined us. You've joined. Remember, we said unity, a part of this vision, and you, you've, you have united with us in order to try to raise these funds for what? For ourselves? No. So that more people in Laredo could have a place to go and hear verse-by-verse verse teaching, could have the same experience you're having here in this building. And we as a church feel that that's our first step. To, to, to reaching our city and, and to fulfilling our greater vision, which is to plant a church in every zip code here in Laredo so that more people could, could hear the gospel. And so within this capital campaign, there's families here who are sacrificing. You're sacrificing no, so, not so that you could be blessed by this, but you're sacrificing so that others can be blessed by this. Just like so many years ago, there were families who came together to raise the funds necessary to build this place. This was 20 years ago, more than that. Think about that. We're sitting here today and we're enjoying this service and enjoying these facilities because so many years ago, families came together and they sacrificed and they gave out of their, their hearts. They gave out of their generosity so that one day people like you and me could be sitting here today and could hear the word of God. So that one day people like you and me could walk in here in need of a savior and be confronted with the gospel of Christ Jesus. So currently right now we have about 240 families participating. We have about $760,000 of cash on hand, which, hey, that's a huge that's awesome, because if you think about it, we purchased the land outright. We purchased it with cash, so that was $1.2 million. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've already used some funds that we have on hand to pay um, for architect's fees. That's been a couple hundred grand. And we already have 760 grand on hand. If you think about this, for the history of this campaign and us trying to get to a building, we have, as a church, we've already raised more than $2 million. So guess what? That tells me I know that 2.7 is not impossible. Let's keep moving. Let's go to verse 46. 
Verse 46 says this, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this brings me to my last point for today is this, is my community needs, excuse me, churches that are committed to sharing the gospel. My community needs churches that are committed to sharing the gospel. The last thing that we notice here is that there was salvation. There was ongoing salvation. The word used is added. That's the verb used, added. It's It's an imperfect verb. It's happening. Day by day just gives more, um, gives more weight to what it's saying. Day by day, people were added to the church. And the first thing we have to point out is, number one, who is the one that added to the church? It says the Lord added to the church. Uh, you know, in speaking about evangelizing and sharing the gospel with others, too many times we, we begin to carry the weight of, I have to change the person. I have to lead them into the prayer of repentance. I have to lead them into accepting Christ into their hearts. And the, for the last several weeks, we've talked about that. That's not the way it happens. It, they, they go step by step by step by step. What we have to know and we have to have complete confidence is, is our job is to witness, to be a witness for the gospel to share the gospel, but the job of salvation, that's his and his alone. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? For me, when I learned this truth, it lifted a great weight off of my shoulders and thinking, man, I don't like sharing the gospel because I don't know if I could get that person to to that prayer. And if I don't get them to that prayer, I'm going to feel like a failure. You ever thought that to yourself? Man, that's why I don't like sharing the gospel because uh, they're just going to refute it and come back with something. And I'm, re- I'm reminded about the video we watched a couple weeks ago with, with Gilbert Martinez, and he said something very key. He said, my job is not to change them. My job is simply to plant the seed. And as we see here in the book of Acts in verse 47, it was the Lord that was adding to them. The Lord was adding to them day by day. And guess what, church? He continues to do that today. Today. We continue to see salvation today. We talk about the signs and the wonders that they saw in Scripture. You know what the greatest miracle of all is? Is when a person without Christ comes to understand the gospel and what he did for them. That's the greatest miracle. It's a broken man, a sinful person who's destined to eternity without God. But because of what Christ did for him, that completely changes. Now his destiny is to be with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for eternity. That's the greatest miracle. And every week, every month, every time we come in here, there's a story. I didn't know that. Today is the first day that I truly understand the gospel. Wow. That's a miracle. That's a sign. That's a wonder. A life transformed and a heart changed. So the first thing was that the Lord was adding to them. The second thing that we see that's key here is that as the Lord, right, as the Lord added to them, or as the Lord brought them to salvation, they were added to the church. Did you get that? In verse 47, they were saved, and then they were added to the church. Saved, 
added to the church. This salvation and this Christian life is not something we live alone. It's something we live in community. And we can see this here in verse 47 from the very beginning, the way that God uh, created this to function and the way that God has established this to function is that you would come to understand the greatness of Christ and not only understand it, but then become a part of his body to be a part of the church. Church membership was even important back in verse 47 of, of, of the book of Acts. Being a part of the body of Christ is important because you and I function together. We've said this before. The way that the Holy Spirit has distributed the gifts is that you have something I don't have and we can work together to fulfill a greater purpose and to fulfill our call. But even in the beginning, we're seeing that God, through salvation, is adding people to the church day by day, and today we continue to see that. And that's why here at Grace, we want to plant churches in every zip code in Laredo. Every zip code in Laredo. We say that we want to reach every neighbor in every neighborhood. That every neighbor in every neighborhood should hear the gospel. Every neighbor in every neighborhood has a church family and small group. Every neighbor in every neighborhood impacting our city and the world with the gospel. So we, we try to do this, and we are trying to do this through the vision. But you can do this even now in your small groups, at home, at work, wherever it may be. We're evangelizing. We're sharing the gospel with people. We're being a witness of what God has done in our lives with others. Knowing and understanding that it's not my job to change it's their heart, that, that is God's alone. All I have to do is plant the seed. All we have to do is plant the seed. So churches, we look at, this, at, at the book of Acts and we look at how the church functions. We realize, we begin to realize that as a church, we're not that far off. We're not perfect. We don't get everything right. I know we don't. But what I can tell you is that being a part of this church, I know and understand that our vision and our mission is a biblical one. We're not here to promote one person. We're not here for personal gain. We're here for the gain of the gospel. We're here to be a tool and a mouthpiece for God to change our community and our city. That's what our mission is. See, because years ago, there was a man who was willing to sacrifice all in order for those that didn't have a future with the Father, in order for them to have a future with him. He came and he gave of himself. He taught so that we could learn. He served humbly and gave exponentially so that we could have an example of what it's like to sacrifice and be generous with others so that we could know how important this gospel truly is so that we could understand how lost we truly are without it. 
He gave it all. So that more than 2,000 years later, we could be sitting here together celebrating who he is and what he's done for us. With humble hearts, willing to serve others, willing to care for others, willing to give to others. Completely devoted to what he taught. Completely devoted to what the scriptures revealed about him and his father. That we could be this church, we could be his hands and his feet here on this earth. So that somehow, some way, a broken person like me, lost in sin, lost in complete sin and perversion, could know the greatness of his Father and could understand the greatness of the plan that he has for his body, his church. He was willing to sacrifice it all so that we could attain what we could never afford. And when we understand these truths, it should drive us with passion and complete devotion like we see in Acts to be a part of a church who reaches our community with the word of God, the gospel of his son Jesus, and the love with which he has loved us. So my challenge to you today is as, as we're going out for this semester, as we are going into our small groups, hopefully this is a time for you and for me to grow in our relationships, for you and for me to grow in our commitment for this, for the gospel. And that as a church, we could push forward in reaching the goals that we feel God has placed on our hearts in the best way we feel that we can reach our city. And we could do that in unity. We could do that in love. Devoted to his word. Let's pray.